She's already becoming a musician. <laughs> what a showboat. Somebody say amen. <clears throat> I would ask that you would turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 14, verses 12 through 13, and I'm going to try my darndest not to be before you long. I realize that praise and worship went over a little in our time limit, but we put no restraints on God. <clears throat> I pray the elders of the church would lift me up in prayer as I give this message as the enemy has tried every which way possible to, to get me upset this morning, but it's not going to work today. Somebody say amen. amen. Proverbs chapter 14. Are you praying for your pastor right now? Uh-huh. It says this, there is a way which seems right to a man and appears straight before him, somebody say appears, but at the end of it, it is the way of death, and even in laughter, the heart is sorrowful, and the end of mirth, meaning uh, laughter, uh, just fooling around, it says, is heaviness and grief, and I'm reading from the Amplified Version of the Bible, there is a way which appears, somebody say appears, the word appears tells you that although it seems one way, it's actually another. And although you may feel a certain way, in reality, something else is really happening. You may think one thing uh, when something completely different is what is taking place in reality. Somebody say, uh-huh. Now, I must be honest with you. I'm going to do something I rarely ever do. And I'm going to read some of my notes verbatim because I want to capture the fullness of what God has given me today. Amen. And I would ask you that you completely open your hearts to God. Grab the hand of the person next to you as we pray today. Dear Heavenly Father, we've come into your presence today, God, uh, asking you, God, to really just be in our midst, God. We thank you for the awesome praise and worship for the lives that we're giving to you today, God. We thank you for the opportunity to even dedicate Siana, God, with Shiming and Carlos, Father God. And we thank you, Lord, for the things you're doing, God. And we ask you, God, that you would begin to encompass this room, God, that you would break every assignment placed on this place, every heavy spirit that is designed to stop this word from going forward, God, we rebuke it right now. We command it to flee right now. And devil, we command you out of this place right now. We command you to leave. We ask God's presence to rest in this house as this word proceeds. That it shall fall on good soil in my heart. That I shall hear it. I shall grow fruit from it. And it shall bear forth in my life. And that I shall be changed from this moment forward. Come on, the church of God says... I want you to tell the person next to you the never-ending funeral. Tell the person on your other side, it's the, I'm caught. Tell them, I'm caught in a never-ending funeral. Proverbs 14, the verse 12 says, There is a way <clears throat> which seems right to a man. And it appears, that way meaning a road, a place that he goes, a, a journey so to speak, for his life. Tell your neighbor a journey. And uh, I remember the longest journey or the longest walk I've ever taken in my life. You ever have one of those days that you just cannot forget that stick with you no matter what you do? I got one person. You with me today? Don't fall asleep yet. I got something for you. I, I challenge you that if you, if you perk up your ears today, God's going to change your life. You may have came here for something else, but God's going to change your life today. And I remember, I'll put it this way, the longest walk I ever took. Is that all right? Can I talk about it, Carlos? Somebody say, talk about it, Pastor. 
You see, I got to be honest today. Today I'm going to take off my Superman cape and I'm just going to be me. Is that all right? I'm not going to be Superman today. I'm not going to be super pastor. I'm going to be just me. Somebody say, all right. I remember the longest walk I have ever taken in my life. And uh, to be quite honest, it wasn't a beach. It wasn't a boardwalk. It wasn't on a piece of exercise equipment. Sure enough, wasn't. Or it wasn't in the big city. It wasn't going somewhere. It wasn't for a true destination, but it was to do and see something in my life. It was Tuesday, um, about 6.32 in the evening, February 19, 2008. And it was about 6.30 in the evening, and it was at Good Shepherd Christian Church on Hancock Avenue. I stood at the front of a very small crowd with only Minister Jose and my grandfather standing in front of me. And I was going to take the longest walk of my life, and it was to see my father's body for the last time. And I remember looking behind me, and there was about maybe 20 people in line behind us. And it was a private viewing at that time, because uh, they let the family in first. And um, I, my brothers and my sisters weren't there yet. I didn't know where they were at. I was there waiting uh, to get in, just to see my father. I wanted to be on time, and just to be early, rather, I'll say. Um, I remember my father, or my grandfather, rather, going in, and I remember that you helped him up the aisle because he can barely make it. He was so weak and overcome by grief. And I remember as he stood there, I waited till he got to the front and I looked behind me. And although I saw 20 people behind me, later on that night, there would be over a thousand that would come through that place to pay respects. And, and I remember feeling the most worst feeling of loneliness at that moment as I stood from that back door of Good Shepherd Church to walk all by myself down that aisle. You with me so far? I began to walk down the aisle and make my way forward. I fought back what seemed to be an ocean of tears to try and not collapse in grief, to try and not suffer the, the things that I was supposed to be suffering in my spirit. I was trying not to basically, I'll say, mourn the thing that I had lost when in respect I should have been crying and I should have been just broken down and all in defeat. You with me? I made my steady approach to the casket and it's funny, everyone always says that when you face death, your life flashes before your eyes, but no one ever told me that when you lose somebody, your life still flashes before your eyes. And as I passed each row of seats, each pews, I realized I was completely unprepared for the walk that I was taking in my life. Somebody say, uh-huh. I walked for what seemed like days and I recounted all of the things that made my father special to me. And I walked for days, it seemed, that I walked and I, I thought about all the stories he would tell me of his childhood. I, I thought about the stories of the grocery store. I thought about the stories of, of Father Panic. And I, I began to think about all the things and it seemed as if each row I passed, it was another chronological year of memories that my mind took me through. Somebody say, uh-huh. I remembered the moments that I took them for granted and yet still I walked forward to pay my last respects. And as I passed each row, I tell you, it was like another year was taking place in my life. And I got a year older in my spirit and I felt like if I had to let something else go in my life. And have you ever felt like that in your life where you just are not ready to say goodbye? Are you with me? I was flooded with emotions and memories and I remember playing basketball and I, I remember playing uh, uh, different games with my father and I remember different accidents I had with my father and I remember all the different things and I tell you my mind was going a mile a minute I could not grasp 
myself. I couldn't get a hold of it. As I walked forward, my knees got weaker every single moment that I walked forward. And yet, I moved forward and I passed another row. Another five years of my life flashed before my eyes. And I went for a walk that never seemed to end. And I began to just ask God, God, is this ever going to be over? And I was only halfway through. I walked, and I remember a story that I had with my father at Seaside Park. He had just taken off my training wheel. Somebody said, "Uh uh-huh. I remember he would take and hold the back of my bike as I pedaled. And I was maybe seven, eight years old. I don't know. And I would tell him, don't let go because I'm going to fall. Don't let go because I'm going to fall. And it was my first bike. It was blue. It had one of those little, uh, you know how they have the little protective Velcro things they would put over it so the kid wouldn't bang their head on the, on the bars. And it had all that stuff. And it had all the bells and whistles. It was great. Uh, my, my stepsister had bought it for me. It was an amazing bike. And I was so excited about it. And, and I was riding it. And I remember I, my father was coming with me. And, and one thing I didn't realize is that because my father was a big man, that if I went too fast, he couldn't keep up with me. So here my little legs are pumping and I'm saying, don't let me go. And I hear him in the distance laughing. (laughs) And he had let me go about 30 feet back that way. Needless to say, the moment I realized he let me go, I fell. And I scraped my knees. Somebody said, "Mm mm-hmm. I approached this casket step by step. I tell you, I never seemed to get to the front. I remember thinking, will this ever end? And as I, I could only compare it to my eyes felt like a dam and how a dam holds back so much power that the river or the water and the current has. My, my spirit felt so heavy as if I was about to burst forward, but something in me just said, be strong. So pew after pew and memory after memory, I walked just to say goodbye. And after what seemed like an eternity, I finally made it to the front. And I I stood there and I got so confused. And all I wanted to say was, was, Dad, don't let me go or don't let go, Dad. Or I was trying to tell him something, but it was too late. Somebody say too late. At that moment, I remembered our last conversation, our last everything. And I was just overcome, and I must have felt like I stood there for hours when I I stood there for all of three minutes. And as I was there, my mind began to mess with me, because I heard my father so alive and so loud in my spirit that what began to truly happen was I lost focus of whether this before me was real or what was in my mind reality. Was this a nightmare I was facing? Was he really gone? Or was I going to wake up at some point in my life and realize that my dad's upstairs and everything's fine as usual? And I was confused for all of 30 seconds as to whether this was a bad dream or if this was life punching me in the face. Needless to say, reality set in that he was gone. It's hard to say goodbye to someone you love. Has anybody ever here lost somebody you really care about? Your aunt, an uncle, a grandparent, a brother, 
a sister, a best friend, and, and thank you, thank you. And, you're, and it's hard. You go to the funeral and it's hard to say goodbye because you, you were never ready to say goodbye. And I began to think about all these things last week. And I began to think about it uh, while I was talking to somebody who was struggling in their spirit. And the moment I began to think of that funeral, the Spirit of God spoke into my life and he said, so it is with sin. And I said, uh, okay, you got to break this down for me, Lord. Sin is so alive in your hearts and in your spirit, although God killed it and crucified it in the flesh. You with me? Um, the truth of the matter is, it's hard to say goodbye to someone you love, especially when the someone you got to say goodbye to is yourself. Because Jesus calls for us to crucify and kill our flesh daily. So the oxymoron, rather the paradox, comes to you and it's almost, it just doesn't seem to make sense. And it is this, that unless you commit suicide in your flesh, you're going to murder your spirit. You with me? So it's either you kill one until the other can live and nobody wants to kill themselves. You spent so much time in that bad relationship. It's become a part of you. You spent so much mess of your life in a mess that it defined you. And when you come to Christ and have to say goodbye to it, it's hard to say goodbye to yourself and your flesh and your spirit. Are you with me? We weren't ready to lay down everything for God. We weren't ready to truly die to ourselves. Most of us met God and it seemed by accident on a day like today where you happen to come to church and you have a revelation from God and then you go home and realize there's a lot of stuff I really have to do to change my life. Am I really going to do this? Am I ready to say goodbye? Proverbs 11, 6 and 7. The righteousness of the upright delivers them but the faithful, unfaithful are trapped by evil desires. When a wicked man dies, his hope perishes and all he expected from his power comes to nothing. The scripture clearly tells you when the wicked man in you dies, the hope perishes. Why do you think it's so hard to put your sinful desires to sleep, to death? Because in reality, what happens is that, is that you, you don't want to say goodbye and you haven't killed them and there's still a hope that they can always come back in your life. You leave a sliver of hope that maybe somehow, maybe, God's going to allow that person back into your life. Maybe, just maybe, you begin to rationalize the things in your life and say, well, this is okay and that's not okay. And you give hope to the flesh in your life because you weren't ready to say goodbye to yourself. Somebody say, myself. Every time you say no to sin, the devil makes you feel like you're putting yourself in a coffin. You ever said no to sin in the beginning of your relationship with God and it's kind of hard to say no to the things that you've come to love so much. Am I lying? And it's really hard to say no to those things. You say, uh, uh, well, if that person can go back to that relationship, then maybe I can. And you start to measure yourself by other people's standards in Christ. And then, well, if that person smokes cigarettes, why can't I? And if that person drinks them, well, why can't I? And if this person, that, and you begin to give hope to the lies of the enemy in your life. Uh-huh, can I preach today? Is that all right? I saw them at the club. Well, why not me? Uh, I, it brings us to the point of feeling like we're committing suicide against ourselves or being untrue to yourself because that's 
who you are. Never realizing who you currently are is a combination of bad decisions you have made in your life and God has been trying to shape your life all along. But because who you are is getting in the way of who God wants you to be, you feel like you're betraying yourself when you run from the things that are killing you. Are you with me? You don't understand that when you put sinful flesh down, it may take a while. It may be a long walk. But as the Bible says, you're putting its hope in your life to death because the power of sin uh, has to perish when you come in contact with the living God. So back to Proverbs 14, verse 12 and 13. Although there is a way which seems right, although it is not right, in your mind, it may seem right because your mind is looking through flesh eyes. We've rationalized sin and made it an exception, made it okay in your life. And it seemed okay, but as the Bible says here, the end of that road, that way, is death. Even your fake happiness couldn't hide the grief. And every night, you crawl into that, so to speak, coffin, not wanting to say goodbye to yourself or to the sins that have captured your mind. Are you with me? So, time and time again, we've found ourselves struggling, fighting, depressed, stressed, bound, and giving in to sins. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses uh, 10 and 11, Solomon speaks, um, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work, and this was the reward for all my labor. Yet when I surveyed, I looked over all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve. Everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun, he says, when he gave in to his own desires. Solomon, known to man as the wisest man that ever lived, says, uh, I found everything to be meaningless. Solomon had over a thousand wives and concubines. Solomon had countless palaces and, and mansions and, and Solomon had countless riches and he was the wisest man who ever lived. He had everything you could ever want and you could ever need. But yet Solomon said, I built these houses. I did all this and at the end of it, I realized that because I wasn't chasing after God, that everything was meaningless in my life. Because I had no true concept of what reality was and he was dying but still breathing I would challenge you there's people sitting around you spiritually dying if you were to survey your life would you see much of the sin you've indulged in is meaningless and I guarantee you it's useless I speak to you who are struggling with sin today what are you not letting go of in your flesh what is it that keeps the flesh in you alive so much of what you do is meaningless and somebody say amen to the fact that your sin is repetitious. We struggle with the same things and although we know no one is perfect, we make no attempt to perfect trusting God. Uh, because letting go would mean you're not who you think you are and that would mean you would have an identity crisis in your life. Are you with me? And what begins to take place is that you start to refrain from God because you are trying to live your life and fit it into God's picture when God's saying your life needs to fit into his picture with him in control. Are you with me? 
John chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, and I'm almost done. It says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. The spirit gives birth to the spirit. Are you with me? So when you do fleshly things, fleshly things happen. When you do spiritual things, spiritual things happen. So much of what we do is meaningless. Absolutely. Think about your week this week. Besides the time you went to work, how much of the stuff you did was meaningless? How much of the TV shows you watched doesn't do anything for your life? How much of the games you played, maybe uh, uh, your, your, your Xbox or your PlayStation for you guys to, who stay out of trouble with that? Or everything you did, you went out, you had fun, you went out to eat, you did this, all the things you did. And look at it now. What did it do for you this week? What did it do? Did it make you any better? Did it do anything for you? Or was it meaningless? Are you with me? It's time that you put down your flesh. It's time that you got a new lease on life and decided on letting go of yourself so you're free to hang on to Christ. Are you with me? Ecclesiastes 7 verse 1, a good name is better than precious ointment and the day of death is better than the, one, the day of one's birth. The day your, your, your flesh dies, the day you die to yourself, your own will, and let God have control is the best day of your life. Somebody say amen. When you can't see how you're ever going to get over getting over yourself. You see, maybe for you, it's not sin you deal with. Maybe for some of you seasoned Christian, it's doubt, it's worry, it's anger, it's not trusting God, it's just gossip, it's just things like you're thinking too much in this stuff, you see things that aren't really there, you go ahead and you go and get mad at everybody for something that didn't even happen. Are you with me? You're judging people, you're holding yourself on this high horse. Because you've been going to church for so long when in reality you are sitting and lying in a coffin every night and have not said goodbye to yourself. What you've done is just put a new outfit on. You're the same angry person. You're the same sinful person. You're the same person who just gossips and you turn gossip into, into the things of like, you know, just pray for this person. It's all spiritual talk now. You with me? I might not get paid next week. They get mad at me. Uh, maybe you become so accustomed to this Christian walk that you no longer see God in your life. Maybe you feel like giving up because you don't feel God like you used to, and maybe you even doubt his existence. And maybe you're just okay with not seeking God more because in the past, seeking God more never seemed to draw you closer to God. So in retrospect, why even do it? To those people I just spoke to, I give you this scripture, Psalms 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Still not meaning to not do anything. Seek me. You will find me. Jeremiah 33. Those, he says, call unto me and I will answer you and I will show you great things. He said in Jeremiah also, those who seek me find me when they seek me with all of their heart. I've told you these scriptures a thousand times. Are you with me? Somebody tell your neighbor, you got to say goodbye to yourself. The reason we get so depressed in our issues, in our problems, and we feel so lonely and afraid, I'm stressed and overwhelmed. Are you with me? I don't understand why I feel the way I feel. Anybody been depressed this week? Somebody talk to me. You've been stressed out. You had a problem in your life. You felt like you were just going freaking nuts in your mind. And you said, I don't know what is going on in my life. Your flesh was mourning the fact that it has to die. And it's time to say goodbye to yourself. Because old me has got to go so God's new me can make a way in my life. So that I can truly find freedom. That I can once and for all stop playing games 
with my life. Somebody say, "Uh uh-huh. Your depression and your stress is directly related to the fact that you are in a cycle of a never-ending funeral. Every day you wake up, and because you ain't say goodbye yesterday, you're going to try today, and you're going to try and kill yourself today and say goodbye to your flesh. Are you with me? Every day your desires, your sinful desires are attached to you like the memory of a loved one. To be honest, at first it hurts to say no, but as time heals all wounds. Time heals all wounds. And God's love covers a multitude of your sins. Psalms 30 verses 5 and 6 says, For his anger endureth but for a moment, speaking of God, and in his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And in my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. He said, I'm never going to be moved from my, from my ways in believing God. I'm never going to be, be, be shaken. So God sent me today to offer your soul hope. God is trying to talk to you today and simply tell you that he loves you. To let you know that, that yes, he understands what you're going through. That yes, it's hard. Yes, he knows. But that at the end of it all, when you're done saying goodbye to yourself, you will find the ultimate freedom in your life. I can't say it any better than Jesus did in John chapter 13, verse 7. It's my new favorite scripture, and Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. You may not realize right now why things are the way they are, or why you face the things you face, why your life is so hard, why your childhood was hard, why you're in brokenness, you're hurt, you're all types of messed up. You may not understand now. You may not understand that. But Jesus said, you do not realize what I'm doing right now, but later, don't worry about it, you're going to understand. James verses 1 and 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may mature and be complete, not lacking anything. So if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Tell your neighbor, you're not alone. There's people all across this nation going through the same thing you're going through in your life. The same depression, the same loneliness, the same cycle, uh, because they're caught in that never-ending funeral of their life. Somebody say, "Uh uh-huh. Matthew 16, verse 25, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. I never understood that verse until God spoke to me on the other day. I preached on this scripture before, but the deepest knowledge I have of it right now is by what God told me. Whoever loses his life for me will find it. When you put yourself down for God, he gives you new life. He renews you every day. You with me so far? Our flesh must die in order for Jesus to live through us. And I I finally understand that verse. In Philippians 3, verse 13 to 14, my last scripture, and it says this, uh, Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, meaning the blessings of God or perfection. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and straining toward what is ahead of me, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenly word in Christ Jesus. He says, I may have not given up that sin again. I may have not given up that 
depression, that addiction. Oh, but here I come again. I may not have, have been able to beat my addiction then, but God, I'm going to try again. And I may have not been able to let go of that hurt, but God, I'm going to do it again. Here I come again. I don't consider myself to have obtained it yet, but I will press on towards the goal. I know that I have to let go of myself. And because of that, I will press forward every day of my life. When I'm happy, when I'm sad, when I'm mad, when somebody upsets me, when I don't feel like being a Christian, I'm going to press on towards the goal. I'm not going to turn tail and run because the devil has got no authority in my life. I told the church on Wednesday, if I really put my life into perspective, I would say that me and the devil have been on really good terms for the last seven years of my life. Marty, if I can be honest, oh, the devil hasn't bothered me for seven years. Because I realize that I've had no new sins in my life for seven years. Uh, it's been me the whole seven years screwing myself up. The devil just threw me some ideas and I ran with them. So the moment I realized the devil has not been messing with me, I've been messing with myself and my own destiny in Christ, and I, I gotta kill myself and my fleshly desires and give my spirit to God, then and only then did I realize that I'm in a never-ending funeral cycle of my life. Imagine going to the funeral of the person you hold nearest and dearest to your heart every day of your life. But yet you do it right now anyways. We're saying, wow, but we're doing it right now. You with me? You have to believe God that you're headed there. Tell your neighbor, I haven't arrived yet, but I'm going. Stand to your feet right now if you can get my musicians for me. Pull them. Oh, there they go. Pull them. Be encouraged in this day that this cycle of your life you're going through, this cycle of your life has got to stop. It's got to end. It's got to be done and over with. Are you with me? I heard something powerful weeks and weeks ago that the greatest story or the greatest part of the story in the Bible where, where Peter walked on the water. It was not when he walked on the water. It was when he flung his leg over the side of that boat. And he stepped out from that boat that was something solid and sure. On top of the water he walked. He put his other foot there onto nothing but pure faith in his life. It's time that you swung your leg over the side of that boat. And you said, God, I'm going to trust you. The miracle is not you walking on water. The miracle is not you trusting God. The miracle is you actually saying, I'm going to take the first step to trust God in my life. Are you with me? You've got to understand that God loves you so much that he designed so many things for your life and that all the things that you're going through, you've gone through, you've been through, are just God trying to shape you into who he wants you to be. And many of the things we've gone through are a direct result of our own bad decisions. If we can be so honest with every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to tell you today that out of the mess of your life comes the message of your life. Out of the worst times come the times where, where now you're going to turn back and say, man, I remember a day. And I remember a moment where I was completely tore up in my spirit. And I remember when I was hurting and I was, I was wounded and I was just so stressed out. And I had so many things and I felt like every day I was dying. I felt so much stress and hurt. But then I met a man named Jesus who, who, 
who loved me beyond my wildest dreams and cared about me more than I could possibly imagine. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we're not going to do an altar call, but if you want to give your life to God, raise your hand. Thank you so much. If you want to give God a chance, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And you're saying, God, I, 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 I've been struggling. Maybe you've been struggling your spirit. Is that you? Come on, lift your hand and say, I've been struggling. I've been struggling. Pastor, I can't lie. I've, I'm running back to things I got no business running into. I, 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 I don't understand. I want to be used by God. I don't understand why nobody's looked at me yet. Because God's seen you. And God's seen you. And he sees that you're not ready yet. You're just not ready. Even though you feel ready, you're not ready. Because you're still in a funeral cycle. Depression and loneliness are your best friends. Come on, if that's you, just raise your hand right now. Shoot your hand up. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Come on, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I need you now. Set me free in my heart, in my mind. God, liberate my spirit. I want to have your son come into my life. I need you more than ever. I can't do this on my own. I believe you died for me. I believe you love me. I believe that you will give me eternal life. And so I put my hope in you. I put my trust in you. Jesus, I need you to come. I need you to change me and to show me how to live my life. I don't want to struggle anymore. I'm not a superman or a supergirl. I need you right now, Holy Spirit. So I lift my hands in surrender, asking you to take over my life. Somebody say amen.